Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Today we are discussing what is possibly my favorite class, the Agile Punching Machine, and the only martial class worth playing, the Monk. Fight me. I mean, monks are super OP. I'm David. Uh, Tonight we have with us Beth. Hello. And Sarah. Hey, everyone. What you got for us this week, Sarah? Oh, so... Uh, this week I found what might have been the best phrasing of a forum post that I have ever seen. Um, the title is "Battle Medicine: How Many Hands," and I—it's just so funny because you can read it with so many different inflections and like meanings. Like, like okay, so obviously the most straightforward of it is. How many hands does it take to perform battle medicine? But I like to imagine that it's like some person on the battlefield and they're super frantic and just super panicked and they're just like, "What? How many hands? Wait, how many hands did you start with? How many hands do I have? This isn't these number of hands aren't the same. They don't match up." <laughs> See, I I just imagine somebody carrying around like a bag and be like, how many hands do you want? I've got, <laughs> let's see here, two from a gnome, seven from halflings, uh, three human hands? This one's kind of a half hand. <laughs> Just a bag of hands. Yeah, that's how I like to interpret A bag of holding, but it's a bag of handing? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh no. I think that I would be hate hilarious. That. <laughs> Beth will remember this. Are you going to give Ashka a bag of handing? Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> she ha- not. She would have too much fun with it. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. I absolutely love all of the arguing in this post. There's a lot of it. One hand, two hands. Is it treat, is, is it treat wounds? Is it not treat wounds? It's not treat wounds. Yeah, it's not treat wounds. Yeah, it's it's its own feat. Literally called battle medicine. So I do want to point out that the original post was posted back in the middle of August. So this is right after release. Um, <clears throat> there are 245 posts. And the what? latest. Yeah, there are 245 posts. And the latest was posted on December 10th, the day we were are recording. And is the best response, which is pretty much, uh, I don't know how many times we have to go over this, but the rules are pretty explicit that uh, battle medicine is its own action. Because uh, there was a bit of a tangent where they started talking about healers' tools. So, uh, anyway, 
the actual, just to throw our hat in the ring, the actual rules are that it is a manipulate action. So, <clears throat> much like an interact, you would need um, one of your, uh, how did I say it earlier? Primary. Um, primary appendages. Yes, primary appendages. <laughs> Uh, in order to perform this act. So if you're somebody who doesn't necessarily have hands, but has like an opposable tail, that would allow you to do a manipulate act. What if you have an extra bag of hands? What if you have a bag of handing? I... That doesn't exist. It never <laughs> will exist. And I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Let's let's move on to the monk, which unfortunately is more hands. Just hands of fury. Oh gosh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Careful, don't badmouth the monk. You'll start catching some hands. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't put up with this. David, uh, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, which without Chad here, we are off the rails. So let's start with the question that I always like to ask when we talk about uh, these classes, which is, what is the fantasy when we're playing a monk? You know, what are you expecting? I think for me, uh, I usually think of uh, Buddhist monks. I think of monks throughout history. Um <clears throat> and I do think that there are some stereotypes there and some pitfalls that you can go into. Um, so just whenever you're playing one of these classes that have like historical connotations to them, just be aware of the cultural and historical origins and don't uh, participate in like problematic stereotypes. Um, but other than that, I always think that the monk is supposed to be a not necessarily religious figure but righteous figure what about you david what do you think of when you think of the monk besides jim your your former monk uh well i think of a lot of old like uh kung fu movies so bruce lee or for oh this one even me like younger folk nowadays jet lee I don't I don't know who the newest martial arts guy is right now. But one of my favorite uh things to think of when I think of a monk is I think of Donatello from the Ninja Turtles. Cuz he's That's he's just good. a lizard folk monk. Uh took a few uh skill points in crafting. Uh I believe they're called a Ruxi. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, is that going to be in the player's guide? No, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're called a Ruxi, and that's, like, the actual name for them. Lizard folk uh, could probably be interpreted as, like, mildly offensive. So are you talking about in uh, Galorian? I am, yeah. Honestly, I did not know. I mean, I that's not know just that. courtesy of one of the other podcasts about of Pathfinder 2 that I listened to. Oh, that's... Interesting. Um, see, I always think of um, D&D, &D, 
because in fifth ed you have the uh tortle oh that's true mm -hmm. but yes uh donatello is i guess a monk we'll go with yeah yeah you could also go with uh master ugwe from kung fu panda I have never seen that movie, so I'm going to assume yes. Yep. Think the uh, wise old monk, only it's a it's a turtle. I could dig it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I think it would be super fun to play a monk that's based on like uh, sort of like Germanic Christian, like back in the day, uh, who worships Caden Kalin. Um, and needs to adventure in order to fund their beer making hobby. Um, cause you know, like the old, like Germanic monks just like sat up in the mountains and like made beer. And I think that might be one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, was that, uh, was like the invention of Doppelbach was basically the monks had made beer or liquid bread for Lent. Um, because they would fast during the day, but they still needed to get their calories in. And so they made Doppelbach, but it was so good that they were like, drinking this might legitimately be a sin. So they sent a cask of it down to Rome, down to the Pope, and they were like, hey, is it okay if we drink this? But that was in the days before refrigeration. And so by the time the cask got to Rome, it was, like, spoiled and, like, really gross and, like, rotted. And the monk w- and the, the Pope was like, yeah, you can drink as much of this as you want. So, uh, Doppelbach. Nice. So in reality, it's delicious, but the Pope thought it was nasty. A correct. Oh, I love it. I bet that was all just an idea. An- an idea of one of the wise old monks who already knew it's going to go bad by the time it gets there. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I like this idea. Maybe. But anyway, so I think, I think that would be a super fun monk to play just because they're not quite like the goody two shoes monks that like people normally play. But if they spend all their time making beer how do they learn how to punch stuff no no no. you need to learn to punch things in order to have enough money to make beer so you beat people up for money i mean bad people okay i guess i you know beating people up for money is the entire point yeah isn't that what adventurers do yeah (laughs) that's fair (laughs) so your idea of the drunken monk actually leads into the pathfinder one monk pretty well really it does only because the pathfinder one monk had a bunch of archetypes and one of them that was pretty popular was the Drunken Master. <gasps> I love it already. Yes. So the Drunken Master, uh, the way that archetypes worked then, you it was kind of like a template that you would apply to a class. 
where it would replace certain abilities and add in its own flavor. Hmm. So you got um, Drunken Key, where when you drank ale or strong alcohol, you got a temporary key point. Which we're going to be talking a little bit about key points later. Uh, and then you got Drunken Strength, Drunken Courage. Uh, the capstone ability was Fire Water Breath. Ooh. Where you take a drink of alcohol and then spit it out in a alcohol-fueled fire <gasps> in a 30-foot cone. Every did, drunk person's dream to be a right? dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it also did 20d6 points of fire damage. Excuse me, what? Ouch. I mean, it was a level 19 ability. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's be real here. But that was sort of one of the archetypes that they applied to the monk, in my opinion, to try to make it feasible. Yeah. The monk in first edition was, we'll say not well liked. The people who liked it were very fervent in their like of it. But David. most <laughs> monks are number one. Uh, <laughs> not in Pathfinder one. <laughs> so when Pathfinder first came out, it tried to improve upon D and D three point five monks, but in the end, when it came to damage output and everything else, it was trying to do it just wasn't enough. So, yes, you got uh, fast movement. Yes, you got uh, good saves. All your saves were good. But you you ha didn't have the best uh, attack bonus. You didn't have the most skills. And it was a class that, in my opinion, wasn't as focused. So, with in my, uh, two exceptions. The first exception would be the Zen Archer, which uh, was really fun to play. I, I built one and played in a one-shot one time. Lots of fun. So that is another archetype that you would, a, a template you would apply, where essentially your flurry of blows, your ability to punch things really, really fast, applied to your arrows. Hmm. So you would fire as many arrows as you could. So, like a semi-automatic archer. Yeah, absolutely. It was pretty cool. And then they came out with a book called Pathfinder Unchained. What? <laughs> yeah, they totally did. <laughs> Sorry. It, it was actually a really fun book. Um, but it was supposed to take some of the classes... Uh, and and simplify some of the mechanics for them uh, and <clears throat> sort of round them out better. <clears throat> and the monk was one of those that were in the Unchained book. Um, and one of the differences that it gave them was 
they got full base attack bonus instead of three-fourths base attack bonus. So now, right out of the gate, you're doing more damage. Now, was that enough? Eh, that's arg- arguable. But uh, it, it was better. I think if you're going to play a Pathfinder 1 Monk, Unchained is the way to go. The biggest problem for me and the monk was they require so many stats. So you want a high dex, you want a high wisdom, you want a high constitution, you want a high strength. So that's four stats that you want to be as high as you can get them. So now your dump stats are intelligence, which means great, you're not going to be great in any skills. <clears throat> and charisma, which arguably charisma is the most used dump stat. So that was kind of the problem with monks in Pathfinder 1. And even the Unchained Monk still had that problem. Although they um did get a d10 hit die. So Chariz or not charisma, constitution was less valuable now. Not quite. Like you still everybody wants at least a decent constitution, but at least with a d10, it didn't necessarily need to be a focus. And uh that kind of rounds out my opinions on Pathfinder One Monk. So, uh, David, yep. I would like to hear your counter arguments about why monks are the best, because it kind of sounds like uh, monks are the worst. No, monks are the best because they don't need any weapons or armor. They just punch everything to death. They just punch real good. Yeah, they do. That's all they do. And they don't need to do anything else. I mean, sure, they do punch really good, but a fighter at the same level is going to be ha- be able to punch even better. And that's just kind of sad. Oh man, can you imagine being a monk and then the sword and board out punches you? Embarrassing. I would say so. Although, again, the fighter has to spend quite a few feats in order to get to that point um, to be uh, punching focused. Wow, punching focused. That's not what you call unarmed attacks. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> fighters have feats to spare so in the end it doesn't really matter but that leads us into the Pathfinder 2 monk which I don't think has these same issues they uh, in my experience they have a little bit of the uh, multiple ability dependent issue, um, but the 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 strength isn't as important. It's 
you know, it's just how much damage output do you want. Um, well, so and are your fists considered agile weapons? Yeah. Agile and finesse. Yeah, so that's definitely going to make... Well, and I think you also pick, don't you, in Pathfinder 2, whether you're going to be a strength monk or a dex monk? You do, but I don't believe it applies your dex to damage. You, you, your, your unarmed attacks still use strength as a damage modifier, but you can use it as your um, attack modifier. I wonder if you took a dedication in Rogue that you would be able to apply that. That might be a future option. Because I know rogues can do that. Right. Apply decks as, as damage. But I don't right. think they have any dedication feats that allow you to do that. Huh. Yeah, I got, I'd, have, I'd have to read into that. I got a uh, monk concept percolating now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we fully dive into Pathfinder 2 monk, Let's talk about ancestry options. I mean, I, I think your your best ancestry options are anything that gives you a bonus to dex. Uh, so think elf, think goblin. Uh, so I would like to propose again that goblins make the best anything. I think we touched on this uh, in one of the previous episodes as well. But uh, I think you could just make a party entirely out of goblins. You could, or or they could be humans. You can still okay, take no. but Dex. consider that humans are boring, and then reconsider. Oh no, I absolutely agree with Sarah here. One, David, you know I will die on this hill. I that know. humans are boring, and you should never play a human. I will. Oh, I will not always play a human. Are you really? sure? Because uh... history has shown. I'm only two for two. <laughs> only. Okay, but can we talk about how having a mixed party worth of elves and goblins would be hilarious? Like, they're both really well-suited to being monks, but I think it would be absolutely hilarious to have, like, an only elf and goblin party. I, I honestly want to see that, but only as a comedy. <laughs> well, but if you're going to have the comedy, you have to have the straight man. It's just the grumpy old human. Oh, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> So here's another instance where if we play this concept, you're going to play the human. Sure. Ugh. One day, we're going to get you to play an ancestry that isn't boring. Okay, a human. You're, you're going to have to kill some characters first. Oh, oh. we can do that. <laughs> I am in a seat of power. Do not test me. <laughs> Arguably the only seat of power. I don't know about that. 
All right. So back to ancestries. Yeah. Like David said, anything that gives you a boost to decks. So that's going to be elves and goblins. Um, however, we should probably take a moment to talk about the absolute worst ancestry that you could pick for a monk. And that's the gnome. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> but why is it the worst? So, hear me out, hear me out. You do get an ability boost in constitution. Sure, I'll give you that. But your other ability boost is charisma. You're not going <laughs> to use that for anything. Your ability <laughs> flaw is strength. Automatically, Oof. now you're doing less damage. And none of the heritages really, I don't know, I know this is going to sound dumb, but none of the heritages vibe with the monk. <laughs> no, I love that. Like, none of them. It's, it's it, hard to imagine a gnome really taking the time to meditate. I mean, I think for me, like, gnomes having to, like, stave off, oh shoot, I'm, the bleaching? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, that doesn't vibe with, like David said, like, the meditation or, like, the discipline. So, maybe. My counter-argument to that, which is funny because I'm the one who said they're the worst ancestry, would be that a gnome could find themselves so interesting that that alone staves off the bleaching. But I wouldn't want to play with that character. The most narcissistic gnome. Mm-hmm. That would be a good monk. Admit it. Because then they could meditate about themselves. And be good. It's just one gnome on a mountain. And nobody wants to go talk to him because all he does is talk about himself. Yes. All and right. it would be a guy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I almost took that back. Then I thought, you know what? It's better that way. <laughs> oh, you geez. know what? This is low-hanging fruit for Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're really not wrong. All right, so David, moving on from gnomes. Yeah. What makes the monk OP? Well, I don't know what makes it OP, but what makes it really awesome, in my opinion? <laughs> First of all, you start level one. All of your saving throws are expert. What? So four plus your level. What? So right off the bat. Yeah. How is that even fair? You will you will make every reflex save without even trying. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not if your GM has anything to say about it. <laughs> now I will say it. You have a better chance than some. Even most. <laughs> but let's not go and say you'll get all of them. Let's see. You also get, uh, since you have to punch everything to death, uh, you get the powerful fist feature, which not only allows you to do a d6 instead of a d4 for your punches, but also, you get to essentially remove the non-lethal characteristic of your unarmed attack. So you don't take a minus two penalty 
trying to make a lethal attack with your punches. So your fists are, in fact, lethal weapon. Yes. You, you have to register them whenever you go into the bar. Oh, jeez. You know, if you kill someone with those, you will go to jail. If you put them in your pockets. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Do you have continue. to have a concealed carry permit if you put your hands in your pockets? Exactly. I was going to get there, but I lost myself in it. <laughs> I'm here for you. Thanks. Uh, you also get the flurry of blows action, which allows you to make two punches at the cost of a single action. So as long as you're in the enemy's face, you can punch him four times in one round. Now you still take the negative, right? Oh, sh- yeah, sure. You still take the, <laughs> the negative uh, multi-attack penalty like you do all the others. But you get, you get to try to punch him four times. I love that you just shrugged that off. Beth was like, but you still take the penalty, and you were like, eh, whatever. Yeah. You, Worth it. The odds get lower, <laughs> but you get to try it four times, so, uh, you know, you might get one. Yeah. So why do you say four times? Well, if you're already in their face, then you get two from the flurry of blows, and then two regular unarmed strikes. For a total of three actions. So, they are agile weapons. You would get negative four, or your first hit with Flurry of Blows is full power. Yeah. Your second hit, or strike, with your Flurry of Blows would be negative four. And then the two subsequent ones would be at negative uh, eight. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. That does sound very good. Not gonna yeah. lie. You get to you get to roll four times on your turn, and you get to roll even more if you actually hit them. You get to roll damage. It it can make your turns take about ten minutes apiece. Oof! If you're not careful, or just get better at rolling dice. See, not necessarily better. What you need is just more dice. Then you can just roll them all at once. I I I did that twice when I played a monk, and both times I did it, I failed all four rolls. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I stopped doing it. I think your dice hate you, dude. I think so. Yeah, I think you should get better and newer dice. I think, I think they decided to gang up and hate me. Okay. We will do a separate episode about gamer fallacy, because just everything you said there was wrong. <laughs> but that's a different episode. Tell us more about how awesome the monk. Well, again, you don't need weapons or armor. So you have you come into a unique problem in that what what do you spend all this money on that you're earning? Oh no, I'm rich. So you I mean if you're sticking with the uh uh, trope of a monk of uh, you know uh, giving up all of your worldly possessions. You just I, I guess give it all to the poor or whatever. Or if or, you're the drunken master, you just drink it. Yeah, yeah. Or you, you just really get into crafting. Yes, yes. That's what I, you do. and that's I what believe... I spend all my money on. <laughs> Same. 
I believe that you, the character you played in the playtest specialized in crafting, didn't didn't Jim? Yeah. What kind of stuff did Jim make? He made a staff once, I think. He made bow staff and bow staff related accessories. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, did he also make a commercial for it? Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> he spent his money on a billboard. Oh, no. No, I think I bought a mansion. Actually, what? yeah. Yeah. That's that's a different story. Uh, one uh, one of the other neat things that they get, if if you don't want to have, you know, a monk weapon, a bow staff, or whatever, uh, they have these really neat things called stances, which essentially changes your unarmed attack to something like you enter the crane stance and you give him a crane kick. <laughs> or you enter the dragon stance and you give him a dragon tail something. Wait, you have a tail if you're a monk? I don't Changed know. Changed my mind. Monks are OP. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Uh, one of one of my favorites. Uh, there's two of these stances that are my absolute favorites. There's the mountain stance, which is you enter the stance of an implacable mountain. Your strikes deal one d eight bludgeon damage, so you you get to punch for one d eight. But you also have a plus four bonus to your AC while you're in this stance. Monks may be OP. I'm sorry, I realized too late that you couldn't see the face I was making. Uh, which was just like, <sighs> what? Yep. And the, and then my uh, my other super favorite stance here, the tangled forest stance. You extend your arms like gnarled branches to interfere with your foes' movements. Your unarmed strikes deal one d eight slashing damage. What? And then, what? yeah. And then. Uh, Every time that an enemy is in your reach and they try to move, they have to make a reflex save. And if they fail it, they don't get to move anywhere. So you're just like, huh, nope, you're, you're staying with me. Okay, now I want to build a Leshy Monk. It's like playing red light, green light with your enemies. No, I didn't get any laughs for that. <laughs> I laughed, but cough it. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I think the other thing that makes monks uh, super special, super awesome, is all of their key powers, which essentially is your focus spells. They're just flavored as key for a monk. So you can use you know, one of your focus points to run really fast on your turn or uh, put some extra power into one of your punches. Okay, can we just backtrack really quick? Because I just thought of something. And okay. I'm a little into it. Yes, go on. You get, as a first level feat for Leshy, Seed Pod. Which allows you to 
<clears throat> have a ranged unarmed attack that deals bludgeoning damage. You shoot seeds at people. Flurry of blows. You just rapidly shoot seed pods at people. Interesting. Oh, was that the whole idea? Yeah, that was it. Oh, sorry. Just flurry of blows uh, uh, applies to seed pod as well. Okay. Because seed seed pod is an unarmed... Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, no, I just... I just... Uh, we're we're back we're back okay we're back to the semi-automatic archer yes only this time it is a small plant-like thing a semi-automatic sunflower okay now we're playing plants versus zombies guys (laughs) i didn't know that that's what we were playing until this moment well, that's what you're playing. You're the one who brought it up. Yep. I am into it. Very, very into <laughs> A campaign composed entirely of leshies taking on an undead horde. Yeah, we can we can get to that one right after we do our party that's just elves and goblins. You're no fun. <laughs> I'm upset by that. <laughs> All right, what else makes monks awesome? They got lots of neat feats. The list goes on. Well, yes. I, I think you're still missing one of their key abilities, aren't you? What about their key strikes? I talked about their key stuff. He totally did. Guys, I think I fell asleep. <laughs> Redacted. Redacted. Oh my gosh. I totally missed that. Pause. Did you really? Yeah. I think it was while your brain was going off on uh, the Leshyville. Oh, that could be. Yeah. That's... And the seed pod counts as an unarmed attack? Yeah. You gain a seed pod ranged unarmed attack. It deals 1d4, which would be d6 because you're a monk. The strikes have the manipulate trait. And on a critical hit, a seed pod bursts. And you have to deal with vegetation. A tangle of vegetation and a 10-foot range. I don't think you'd be able to apply the powerful fist because it says the damage die for your fist changes to 1d6 instead of 1d4. Man, that sucks. But I, I the You're flurry right. of blows is arguable. Makes two unarmed strikes if they hit the same creature. Yeah, and it definitely says seed pod is an unarmed. And there's nothing in the wording that specifically says melee. No. Yeah. Just be a seed gatling gun. I really love it. Like, not gonna lie some super nice feats that I see here. You can, you can uh, change your fist into a fire fist. Furious fire fist. Of the oh, and we know how feet. you feel about alliteration. I'm all about alliteration. Alliteration is the best. Anyway. 
And then uh, I think this one is new. I don't think it was in the playtest. You get the there's the standstill feat at level four, which essentially gives you attack of opportunity. Really? Yeah. The creature within your reach uses a move action or leaves a square during an action it's using. And then you strike out at them. Huh. Yeah. It, 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 I think it has a, it's a little different from the fighter or the champion's attack of opportunity, but it is an attack of opportunity. Still, that's super awesome. Yep. I was just talking about how uh, attacks of opportunity were such a critical thing in Pathfinder 1. Now it's kind of rare that you even come across it, and yet people still act like it's going to happen at any point. Oh, yeah. We all have kind of uh, attack of opportunity um, flashbacks. <laughs> just the reflex yeah it really is uh, and I, I know for me at least that ain't going away anytime soon I've been burned by a tax of opportunity too many times what other choice feats have you got for us well to go along with the uh, mountain stance I said earlier a f- a f- level 14 feet lets you essentially stomp the ground and make an earthquake while you're in the mountain stance. Earthbending. Yeah. You can, at level 14, take the tongue of sun and moon and speak and understand all languages. Does that make up for monks not needing to have high end? I think so. Since that's normally how you learn languages? (laughs) So certain stances you get just with being a monk, right? No, you don't get any stances by default. Every stance is a feat. Ah, gotcha. Yep. So you could hypothetically be a monk and not take any stances. Right. That's how the monk I played. That's what he did. He, he did not take any stances. And you, like, were okay? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, there are some pretty great feats here that aren't stance-related. Well, one one change from the playtest is the number of focus points or key points you have. On the playtest, you had, like, your wisdom modifier as, like, the starting number of key points you had. And then you'd add on to that with all of your feats. Whereas now, I mean, you only get one or two. So you're pretty limited on uh, how many key points you can even use while you're fighting. So it puts a lot more value in the stances than it was in the playtest. Hmm. Wow. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I really like that. So I know that key points are the monk version of focus points, right? Yes. Like, <clears throat> I understand that. But so many of the feats do focus on key points. 
So you have Key Rush, Key Strike, uh, Elemental Fist, uh, which bases itself off of Key Strike, uh, and it just keeps going on from there as you move up through the feature. And I, I like that, that that focus is still there. Yeah, um, I really like the role-playing aspect of making the focus points key points for monks. Oh, definitely. Same, for sure. I think one of the narratively interesting things is Timeless Body. So for that one, you cease aging. What? Yeah. You just stop aging. You are timeless. You are an immortal now. I, I j like, just because? Yeah, yeah, just because. Because you're so in tune with yourself. Yeah, you, you figured it out. You figured out how to live forever. YOLO. <laughs> but in this case, YOLO is just forever. Yeah. Yo fro. I think. Don't. No, don't. Would it just be Yoff? Nope. Yoffle. No, no, no. Yolf. Yolf. <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. It's Yolf. You only live forever. <laughs> That's upsetting. Yo. <laughs> the next James Bond film coming in 2024. Oh, jeez. Oh. James Bond becomes a monk. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, for a 14th level feat, I think that as cool as it is, and narratively cool, it is a little underwhelming. Uh, you get a plus two uh, status bonus to saving throws against poison and disease. And then you also gain poison resistance equal to half your level. Which, at, since it's a 14th level feat, is automatically seven at the earliest point. Wait, so you don't actually gain Oh no, the first... The first part of it is you cease aging. Now, you still can be killed. Okay. You you can still, like, take damage equal to your hit points. Well, I, those things are different. Like, living forever is different than aging. Because living forever implies that you're immortal. I think we're getting into a semantics argument now. <laughs> oh, honestly, though, how many uh, Pathfinder games do you really have to worry about dying of old age? <laughs> None that I've played. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Also, what Pathfinder game have you played that hasn't devolved into arguing semantics? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So many flashbacks. (laughs) Much like the attacks of opportunity. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) That's that's the only singing you're going to get from me. I'll take what I can get. Fair. Oh my gosh. Oh, so much semantics. Anyway. Mm. All right. Well, who benefits from a monk dedication? That's a good question, in my opinion. Because, like, monks can hit stuff really hard, but, like, we were talking about earlier fighters right where like sometimes your fighters can hit stuff more good than your monks can (laughs) more good more gooder than your monks can wow so So, like is it worth it for a fighter to take a monk dedication i think it depends on what you're going with right so the dedication is going to give you powerful fists so you do have lethal weapons as hands. Uh, which, if you're going for an unarmed attack build, is very helpful. Uh, plus, you get a uh, skill. So, if you already have acrobatics and athletics, you get to pick another skill. So, that, I mean, that is nice. It is going to give you access to monk feats, which again are very helpful. We've talked about stances. Um, if you want flurry of blows, you're going to have to take a dedication. And you got to wait a while to take that a flurry of blows dedication. Yeah, it's a, a level 10. So I don't know. That's one to take at a at a later level, but my thought on if you're already, you know, a fighter or a champion who has access to martial weapons that can, you know, deal D8s and D10s, what what good is a one D6 punch? I, I think I, it I think it makes a lot more sense for uh you know, some type of like a caster or maybe a rogue, something who's uh limited more towards simple weapons. I yeah, would you're... like to see sneak attack applied to Flurry of Blow. Four sneak attack damages in one turn. Oh my Ugh. gosh. Ugh. Yeah, that's that is pretty painful. I hadn't thought about a rogue taking a de- uh, monk dedication. Uh, that could be an interesting path to take. Oh, and and <clears throat> we had talked earlier about the uh, rogue getting to take. Uh, Dex modifier as a damage bonus. So, 
that also works very well for taking a, a dip into monk dedication. Yeah, that does track. Mm-hmm. Too bad we don't have any rogues. No rogues for us. And no monks, either. Well, yeah, that is true. I keep thinking to uh, the playtest game that we were in, to Jim. <laughs> but rip, Jim. He's still alive rip somewhere. Jim. Maybe. Living in his mansion. <laughs> That's definitely not monk-like. <laughs> not the stereotype of one, anyway. Oh, no, he, he, he purchased it but then he turned it into an orphanage slash monastery. So he, he trains all the children in the villages to be little ninja warriors. Oh, like a daycare, but lethal. Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I have very complex feelings on what you're saying. That scenario can only happen with a monk. Sure. Another reason why monks are the best class. Oof. Child warfare? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the best, David. It's self-defense, Sarah. See, no, no, no. I'm I'm okay with a monk opening a dare care, but lethal if it's like self defense and like respecting other people. But as soon as it's like mm, you do have a platoon of highly militarized toddlers, like hmm, I don't I'm know. I'm positive that's what horror looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Just seems a little sketchy there, Jim. <laughs> I guarantee Jim is like, mm, I didn't think so. <laughs> Until he got murdered by the toddlers. <laughs> the student has become the master. <laughs> that is how Jim dies. I'm sorry. That's just canon. That's canon. Now. That's canon. <laughs> I'm good with that. Oh, jeez. Anything else we want to say about the monk? Uh, just because Chad's not here, I'm going to once again say that uh, monks are OP. I had to listen to him say that once a week for uh, nine months, I think. Wow, that's too much. Once every other week. Yeah. That's, that's still too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Chad is convinced that they are OP. Uh, David with the rebuttal? They're the best. <laughs> I'm not sure that's actually a rebuttal. I think you're just embracing the OP in it. Yeah, I think you're just turning this to your advantage. Potato, potato. Potato, OP, potato. The best. I've Whatever. I've never heard anyone say potato, by the way. Uh, that's tangent. why 
that's why me and my friends always say potato potato. That's in- instead of potato potato. Because who's saying potato? Nobody. Right. Nobody says. Anyway, that's a tangent for another day. So to round out our episode, there is a couple of things that I want to go over that were released by Paizo. In the past uh, couple weeks, the first is that Alcat Games, in partnership with Paizo, is releasing another uh, RPG, uh, CRPG. This time based off of the adventure path Wrath of the Righteous. Now, have either one of you heard about Wrath of the Righteous before? No. no. So, you get to kill a bunch of demons. And I'm, I'm in so far. Uh, and you get to be OP on purpose. Ooh. It's pretty great. Uh, it was the first adventure path that used the mythic rules in uh, Pathfinder 1st Edition. Now, obviously, 2nd Edition doesn't have mythic rules yet, and it's a video game. So, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to be implementing the mythic uh, feats. We'll have to wait and see. But the release art looks... Amazing. We will definitely link that in the description of the episode. Uh, Because the blog was released on December 5th. So a little behind the times on this. But it looks awesome. I actually just picked up... So the first CRPG that they released was Kingmaker. uh, Which was another adventure path that uh, Paizo did. It was very good. Uh, I liked the CRPG the second time I played it. The first time I played it, I definitely struggled quite a bit. Uh, But once I got the hang of it, I really, really enjoyed it. So if you've, uh, if you really like CRPGs, definitely, um, definitely check this out. Hmm. Uh, So I heard it was like kind of a quasi follow-up to Kingmaker? Kind of. So, like, it... Kingmaker is set up in the Savage Lands? Or the Stolen Lands, excuse me. The Stolen Lands. Yeah, and then Wrath of the Righteous is set in, uh... Chelyax? I want to say Chelyax. So it is a not direct sequel, but it's going to have a lot of the same mechanics. Okay. So two different parts of Galarian. Close, but not directly related. Wrath of the Righteous deals with, and this is where uh, I sit back and have a lore moment. (laughs) Uh, Wrath of the Righteous deals with the World Wound, which is a giant... uh, kind of crack in reality that demons like to come through. Uh-huh. And 
uh, something happens right at the beginning where that portal is weakened so that more demons can come through and you have to fight back. So pretty cool. If you like yeah. uh, that style of game, I highly recommend it. Uh, obviously, they haven't set a release date yet, but could be pretty cool. Sounds like it. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about was the advanced players. So the playtest is, if not over, close to being over. Uh, and they released product description for the advanced players guide. So we know that it's going to have the four classes. But we're also getting five new ancestries. And then the thing that I am most excited about, we are getting access to five heritages that can be applied to any ancestry. Ooh. Now they listed all of them out, but we don't quite know, I think, which is which. Uh, no, no, yes, we do. So the Azamar, the Tiefling, the Changeling, the Dampier, and the Duskwalkers are heritages that you can apply to any ancestor. And then the excuse me. And then the catfolk, the kobolds, the orcs, the ratfolk, and the tengu are the new ancestries. Huh. Uh, tengu are great, which we know the oracle is uh, iconic is now a tengu. Uh, I have a particular fondness for the ratfolk because, and I, I'm positive I've mentioned this before. In my playthrough of Rise of the Rune Lords, I played a rat folk, and they're super fun. I can respect that. They are going to have a feat that gives them cheek pouches, and they can store things in them. Ooh. <laughs> this was said on a stream, uh, on one of the Paizo streams. I'm super thrilled about that. Uh, there's going to be a ton more archetypes, including... Um, new multi-class options. Uh, it's gonna be a pretty great book. It is releasing July 2020. So, unfortunately, we have a long time to wait. Just a couple months. Six months. That's too long. Okay, like three times a couple. But I want it now. <laughs> Don't we all? It's my money and I want it now. <laughs> did you guys ever see those commercials? Yes. That's so dumb. 
Of course, there's more stuff coming up. The last book of Age of Ashes did just ship out. So the next uh, set of Adventure Path is called The Extinction Curse. I don't know if you guys have looked at this at all, but it is very cool. The first book of Extinction, Cur Extinction Curse is called The Show Must Go On. And that's because you are in a traveling circus. Ooh. Uh, I am very excited. My husband wants me to run it. Which, to be honest, that would be like the fourth game I'm running, and I don't think that's possible. That seems like a lot. It it really is, uh, but he really wants me. He really wants me to play. I love that this looks like it's going to be playing two things at once, where like you have to be part of the circus and also you have to solve a mystery. I yeah. would almost say this looks like a case for Sherlock gnomes. Or it just sounds like an episode of Scooby-Doo. David, come on, you're supposed to back me up on that. <laughs> okay, I appreciate the callback. But also, I hate it. But still, you still hate Sherlock gnomes? I do. I very much hate it. Hey, Sherlock gnomes would get me away from my human streak. It's true. Yeah. Now we just gotta wait till July for the investigator to come out. So the extinction cur extinction curse will come out January twenty twenty. So be prepared for that. I think though that's everything. David, do you feel like you're done talking about monks? I think so. Although I see that they are adding Zen Archer monks into the uh, advanced players guides. Right. I I knew that. I completely forgot to mention it. I am psyched. Zen archers are the only type of monks I want to play. Semi-automatic archers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. Well, actually, that's not true. I want to play a Zen archer, but also a Leshy. So that I can use seed pods and archery. Hmm. Semi-automatic sunflower archer. <clears throat> I am already thinking of writing an adventure that's plants versus zombies. They're just four <laughs> leshies, all monk class, all the time. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm building it in my mind. We're doing this as a one-shot sometime. All right, all right. David, why don't you take us out? <laughs> Literally or figuratively. Either one. <laughs> Alright, so I think that about wraps it up. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about the best class ever, the monk. Ugh. The most OP. And remember, dice don't die. But player characters do. But monks don't. What? <laughs> yes, they do. You can it's still just that they die. they stop aging.
Yeah, that's a different... We talked about this. Come on, David. David. Fade the music. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.